Thank you. Have a seat, everybody. Thank you. Woo! Yeah, that's a good ending. Thank you, band. Bandies, you're awesome. Um, I don't know where my Bible is. If can, anybody can help me with my Bible. It was in my wife's bag and then it went missing. Maybe it's in her bag and my eyes went missing. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. Somebody say, look. Thank you. I needed that word. Right. I have missed you all. Not that we haven't met or anything like that, you know. <laughs> but uh, I've missed uh, this. I would love for you to open your Bible to the book of Nehemiah. And we'll read from chapter 1. And it says this, Now it happened in the month of Chislev. That's a nice month. In the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile and concerning Jerusalem. And they said, this is it, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. You know, over the past two years, you know, we can sit in this room and we can pretend like the last two years has been so good, but it's not. We can, and that's what I mean by Christian knees. We've been so Christianized and so indoctrinated that we've been so far from reality that we don't want to embrace it because we've been so groomed in a Christian way. I cannot consider the doctor's report. No, 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 no. That's no, I ref- no, 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 no. The doctor's lying. No, the doctor's telling you what he's seeing in you. Unless you agree with the doctor's report, you don't know what to pray for. Oh, come on now. It's been a while. <laughs> You, you can, at any point in time, you can, if you agree with me or you like what I'm saying or you like how I'm looking, um, you can say amen, shout me down, anything, anything. Yeah. And also you're free to not shout. And you're free to ponder. And you're free to think. And you're free to act upon what I'm saying. Some of us have lost jobs. And it's, it's tragic. Some of us have lost family members. Some of us are still going through the effects of COVID in our bodies. And some of us are are still trying to get on our feet and there's this thing of like I'm I'm a Christian, I'm a I, you know I'm God saved me but then my life doesn't prove. Everything that I've been taught in church before have faith brother have faith buddy you don't understand I don't have food to eat you're telling me have faith faith will fill my stomach see unless you come to the realization that you are hungry then you will realize that you have a heavenly father who has a name that he will provide for you according to his riches in heaven 
But you've got to come to the, the you've got to accept it. That I am hungry. I am in need of a job. I am in need of a family. I am in need of a church. I am in need of a community. I am in need of a career. I am in need of a husband or a wife. I, I am in need. You've got to come into that place to understand that miracles sometimes just don't, things just don't fall from the ceiling. It's like this, God wants to, we read verses in the Bible that says, you know, God is the one who grows the church, but then he brought you to church. <laughs> He's like, I will build my house and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He brings you. He brings you into the house. Why? Why? We find that Israel is in a similar situation or we find ourselves in a similar situation where our lives are broken down. The walls of our lives are broken down. We're sort of in exile at the moment. And we really need God. Then I want to submit this to you today. That even though you may have lost loved ones, you may have lost a job, you might have sickness manifesting in your body, you may not have all the money that you used to have. And maybe your husband or your wife is not in the place that you want them to be in. Somehow, you survived. <laughs> Somehow, you landed up here. submit this to you that you are the remnant that God has chosen you could have been the one that passed away with complications from COVID you could have been the one that is experiencing loss great loss debilitating sickness in the body you could be, have been that one, but why are you not the one? <laughs> why are you not that one? Because a lot of us, when we think about the word remnant, we, we think oh, we're left behind. And yes, that does, it, it, it does signify that you are left behind. But I want to give you a couple of meanings of the word reverend, uh, remnant, reverend also, but remnant. <laughs> From, from the Hebrew uh, language and, and, and although it does mean left behind or all that and survivor and all of that stuff but one of the meanings of the word remnant in Hebrew is that which is in excess say excess it's where we get the understanding of abundance from so what I'm saying is while so many people and loved ones have lost their lives. You were the abundance. Just remember, when you got saved, 
you decided to give your life to the lord the bible says that it is no longer i who lives but christ who lives in me and the life that i now live i live by the faith of the son of god who lived and died for me so which means technically i doesn't exist so when we talk about abundance i'm not talking about you receiving an abundance but i'm talking about you being the abundance that god is giving into the world you are the solution to the problems that the world is facing right now another meaning to the word remnant is identified as the word survivor in which you know what that means and, and the third one is residue and this word residue is so unique because it, it, it the context in which they're saying residue is 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 that a that when someone who is not a part of the family gets added to the lineage in the family we talk about it in the in the context of adoption now you you'll understand this that even though that you were not god in the flesh that because of your faith in Christ Jesus you have been added to the family of God which means when you start believing in Jesus you start believing in God you were in line to the inheritance that is Jesus's inheritance you're a remnant you're a residue you had nothing you you couldn't do anything to qualify yourself to receive an inheritance but it is his great love that he added you to his family and he said everything that is Jesus is now belongs to you come on somebody residue remnant remnant but there's one word that is absolutely unique it's so profound and it's from the word yatar and it means that the ones are you listening it means that the ones who have been preserved you've been preserved you could have had a heart attack but you've been preserved you could have had an accident but you've been preserved oh yes that the business is having an issue but you have been preserved god has preserved you you are preserved he's preserved you it's amazing amazing romans chapter 9 and verse 27 says though the number of ch- the children of israel be as the sand of the sea the remnant will be saved come on man aren't you grateful that you're alive Aren't you grateful that you're in a church today? Aren't you grateful that you're in a community that loves God and loves his word and loves his people? Amazing. So I want to encourage you that you may have gone through the worst season of your life. You may have experienced brokenness and difficulty and shame, but God has preserved you. But there's a reason why he's preserved you. There is a reason. It's not for fun and games alone, although God is into fun and games. 
you thought I was going to say that God is not in the fun and games. No, God is into fun. God is funny. He is. If you read, if you look at the, just read through the Bible and you look at the, the, the people he chose and the character that they had, you will know that God has a sense of humor. <laughs> Forget that. You look at the guy standing in front of you. And then look at the person sitting next to you. Don't live in denial now. God has an awesome sense of humor. <laughs> now, if you looked at that person sitting next to you with condemnation, there's a purpose for your existence today. There's a, per- there's a reason why that good looking person is sitting next to you on your left and your right. Don't you smile when you look at somebody sitting next to you? So unique. What is that? Purposely funny. You have a purpose. I want to give you permission today. I want to give you permission to come before your God with brokenness. Don't come to God pretending that your life is kind of like, it's like confusion. You, your, your, your life is kind of messed up in certain ways and then certain aspects of, our, of your life is kind of like, okay, and it's good. And then you go to God presenting to him only things that are really good because you read through the Bible and they brought sacrifices that were perfect and blameless and holy and God only needs you to be perfect. Wow, that kind of came out passionately, but you know what I mean? And we go to God, we just present him, God, hallelujah. And we get a little religious with how we pray and, and he's looking at everything that's broken in your life. And he's wondering, when are you going to go to him and present your brokenness and your shame and your guilt and the bad doctor's report and the lack of finances and the debt that you're in and the job loss and the death of a family member? When are you going to go to him with the brokenness of your life? Can I give you permission? Although you can go to God in your brokenness and present it to Him, you have no permission to stay broken for the rest of your life. You have the full right to allow God to heal you and bring you and present you to the world the way He presents His Son. See, if you're being transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus, his son, he's not going to take his son like he's broken on the cross. He's going to take his son as a good report of what happened. You were broken, but now God has fixed your life. God is fixing your life right now. God is fixing your marriage right now. God is fixing your broken career right now. God is fixing your debt right now. God is fixing your finances right now. God is fixing your country right now. God is fixing the nations right now as we speak. But we've got to come to Him and say, God, this is really who I am. This is who I am, God. This is what my life is all about. This is the mess. 
Can you take it and give me a message? Can you give me, God, a testimony of how good you are in my life? Because that's what God wants to do. There's a purpose to our existence today. When God wants to do something on the earth, He brings broken people, people who are incomplete, people who need psychological help, people who need physical help into a community like this. Because he knows that the one, the good looking one sitting next to you wasn't so good looking. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> Let me finish. <laughs> the good looking one sitting next to you wasn't so good looking when they were presenting their brokenness to the Father. But then somehow, when he took that brokenness, put a little grace in there, put a little bit of love and made a little magic potion kind of stuff and gave you to drink and you were completely whole. And he brought that good looking you and he presents you to the world. But then there's a purpose even with that. And the purpose when you're in a community like this is to fulfill the commandments that he has given to each one of you. You know, let me show you something in Nehemiah's life. Let's read verse 4 onwards. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. He's talking about the report of the brokenness of his nation. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven and I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servants that, that, that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants. Now, when God brings you into a community like this, now we have a lot of new people in the room today and hi, would love to say hi to you after the service. But when God brings you into a community like this, he does not just bring you to a church that is, or a community that is trying to indoctrinate you. But he brings you into a culture my life changed drastically and dramatically when I married Kelsey because her culture was practiced, not just spoken of. Nobody sat me down and said, this is what you do when you are walking out of the room. I just saw it and I went, whoa, that's awesome. They have such a high level of respect for the elders in their family that the young ones, this, is, this will shock some of you. I sat at a table and they considered me 
because I'm a pastor I would sit with the elders of the family and eat like I was the first ones like Kelsey and me would sit like which is very rare for someone like Mage you know what I mean and I had the we had the younger ones you must understand Samoa is hot the islands are hot and so while I was eating we had the the ones who were older than me but they were you know in a different line all to say so I don't know how to explain it. how how do you explain it they were yeah, they was they were older than me but they were just serving because I'm a pastor Kelsey's a pastor so we're sitting with the chiefs and all of that stuff and I found it odd that someone who's older than me would stand behind me and do that with a fan while I ate is weird like to have someone who's older standing with a fan and trying to make you feel cool and moving the flies away and mosquitoes away whatever while you're eating food and they'll do it till you finish eating food as much as you want to eat and once you're done and that entire group is finished now then the next group comes and the group after them will come with the fan do, do you understand what i'm saying it's a culture it's generational everybody does it the ones who sat at the table were once with the fan do you understand it's a culture of honor and i when i when i saw that i realized to myself why is this culture spoken much in the church but not practiced we have conferences on culture of honor but it's not practiced and god now takes these broken people and he brings them into a family and we think that our brokenness can be fixed only when i'm alone with god and i want to give you i want to submit this to you that you cannot fix your brokenness on your own you need to be in a culture and the culture a kingdom culture fixes your brokenness god uses people the good looking one sitting next to you on your left and your right he uses them to fix your brokenness we create this extra dynamic supernatural kind of relationship with god where the church is too busy sending people to heaven while the one sitting next to you are in need of being healed I want to give you some advice. Going forward, our church is going to focus inward. We're going to focus on really building the people who are around us. Because to build people, we need to build a culture. And that culture really is the kingdom culture. It's a culture of heaven where we cannot be to someone in a certain way that God has never been to us. So if somebody around you is not experiencing love, it becomes not the pastor's responsibility to love them, but the fact that you are the one sitting next to them, you become responsible for them to experience the father's love. So which means you don't come to church in need, you come to church to give. Tell your neighbor I've got something to give. 
Tell your neighbor, I've got something to give. So when we create a high value for what God... Hey, hold on a minute. I just said... Very short sentence. (laughs) So when we create a high value for what God values and we live by it, there is a culture and an atmosphere and a vibe that is built according to those values. So which means whatever God values, I create a high value in my life to value. So if God so loved the world, that person sitting next to you on your left and your right and behind you and in front of you, God chose that person. So if God has a high value for that person, now, when you have an encounter with God, when you experience His love for your life, there is a deposit of His love in you. Now that deposit is not for you to tap into all the time. That deposit of love is for you to give it away. What are Christ's values? What does God value? Jesus came and made it very simple for us. In Mark chapter 12, in verse 30 to 31, he says, you shall love the Lord. You shall. Not you have a choice. Not if you're in the mood. Not if the person sitting on your left or right is qualified enough for your love. You shall Love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And then he says the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, this is awesome. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor So, if there's no love in the church, what does it mean? It means that individuals don't love them. Look, we we think that going shopping and buying ourselves something nice is loving ourselves. Let me me speak very quiet over here. (laughs) Right. Buying things for yourself does not mean that you love yourself. It is an expression of your love for yourself. <laughs> you're, you're taking something that, that you value called money and you're saying, I'm going to take this value of money and I'm going to spend it on myself. I need some TLC. I'm going to go for a massage and I'm going to go for this or I'm going to get a bodybuilding subscription. Why does it say bodybuilding? I don't know why. But I'm going to go get a gym, <laughs> gym subscription in the beginning of the year and I'm going to, you know, make, I love myself. I'm not talking about lusting after yourself. I'm talking about loving yourself. And loving yourself carries the element of sacrifice. I'd love to submit this to you that in order for you to love yourself, 
some part of yourself experiences a sacrifice. John 15, Jesus makes this very awesome statement. He says, greater love has no one than this, than for a brother or friend to lay down his life for his friends. So when you take that concept and you think now, okay, it's easy for me to love my neighbor, but how do I love myself? It costs me something. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down. That laying down aspect, what part of your life would you lay down for yourself? Look, in order for you to love, okay, I'll explain it like this. In order, how you, you guys okay? All right. In order for you to love someone, there is a part of you that you've got to lay down. Let me say this, when, when you experience the goodness of God, whether it is in like Danny, a new job, or you know, Kelsey finding a wallet, or, or you know, you have, you have these incredible gifts and talents, or you have such a, 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 a successful business, or whatever it might be, if you think that that exists for you, then you are slightly missing the commandment. Well, pastor, I've got these talents. And I want to do something with it. Well, there are these people sitting next to you. See, a lot of us look at the gifts and the talents in our lives as something that God has given to us for us. Oh, come on now. We look at the gifts and the talents. We look at the finances. We look at the business. We look at all these things as something that God has given to me for me. It's becoming quiet. But I wonder, you can have it. You can keep it. You can enjoy it and you must enjoy it. But there comes a point in time where you see lack in someone's life. And the resources are in your life. Or you see the lack in the church, but you are gifted in that area. And we put conditions on the church in order for us to give. Or we put conditions on the church in order to save. Or we put conditions on the life coach in order for us to get to their house. Or we put conditions. There's always conditions, conditions, conditions. You have to qualify in order for me to sacrifice myself in order for you to experience love. But that's not what Jesus is talking about, is he? That's not what Jesus is talking about. Are you guys okay? Jesus is saying that when he has deposited gifts, talents, opportunities, business success, finances, resources, when he has deposited ideas, creative solutions, all of those things are not for your good pleasure. It is for his good pleasure. He's got use of it. And there are people that he's sending into your life. He's sending into your community so that you can now be the solution to the need in their life. Thank you. 
The element of sacrifice is this. I can use that money. I can use that gift for my pleasure, for my glory. I can become an awesome musician. And I'm not saying anything wrong with it, but just, just hear me out first. I'm talking about the heart attitude. Okay. I can be an awesome musician or an awesome athlete, or I can be an awesome, uh, you know, communicator. And I just want to do this and build my career. You can build your career, but who's taking care of God's house? Who's taking care of the needs of his house? No, no, pastor, that's you. Your pastor, your pastoral team. <laughs> that's your job. Sure. But when will you come into full understanding of the purpose of your existence? You've got to come into this place where you fully embrace the reason why you're living today, the reason why you have what you have. Creating a culture in a house like this requires people taking responsibility for the house. That's sacrifice. Look, you know, I love the fact that Everything that, that can go wrong went wrong just before the service started. You may not know it, but you know, if you hug Danny and, and, our, and some of our, uh, the boys, they'd be sweating. Only because they were running around trying to make sure that all of this and the sound and the worship and all of that was pleasurable for you. They don't need to do it. But they did it because that is their gift serving you so that you can listen now to this message and also understand that while you're here in this room in this atmosphere that it becomes a part of your responsibility also to take care of the house that you belong into Nehemiah in this moment while he hears the bad news of the people, his people in Jerusalem goes to God in prayer. He takes responsibility for where he sees the need. He's an expat. He's captive, technically expat, living in another country. He doesn't need to do anything. He's a cupbearer in the king's palace. He has access to the king. He doesn't need to build a wall. He doesn't need to go to church. He can do what he's doing happily wherever he is. But somehow, he has this burden for God's family. He has this yearning to bless God's house. And he decides now, to pray this prayer and in verse 11 it says this oh lord let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name listen to this and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man you must understand what he's praying here He's saying, God, make me successful so that I can serve you. 
Come on, man. A lot of us come to church because we are in need of a breakthrough. We are in need of something. We need, 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 need. But this guy goes to God and says, make me successful. Let me experience mercy. Mercy means protection. Let me experience success and protection in the sight of this king so that I can come to your city, your house and build your walls. It's completely different. It's the opposite of what has been happening in churches. We come to the church to get blessed. But actually when you look at Nehemiah's life, his heart for the house was greater than the heart for self. His heart for the kingdom of God was greater than for him experiencing blessing. I want to submit this to you. Favor and success in your life has a purpose. favor and success that God gives you has a purpose. I've been in ministry for over 26, 27 years. I don't know how long. And I've heard people constantly pastor pray for me so I can get favored. There's nothing wrong with it. But the question I want to ask you, I want to submit to you is why didn't you come to the house with the results of God favoring you and and succeeding you where you're at? We've got to come into this place where you understand, hey, look, I'm here because I love these people and I've got something to give to them. I've got something, I've got, I've heard, I've got value to add to your life. I've got value to add to the kingdom of God. Why? Because I'm seeking his kingdom first. I've seen great success and favor in my life when I've put God first. And many of us have experienced traumatic things in our life because we've sought them first. We've sought the blessings over the blesser. We've sought favor over the one who favors you. We've sought success and I want to be prosperous in my business. Yes, that's awesome to have, but why don't you seek his kingdom and allow him to favor you, allow him to make you successful because being a remnant means you are the least of them all. Look at Israel. They were the least. They were the smallest nation. And God used them till today. They're one of the strongest nations in the world. Look at the 12 disciples. They were the remnant. When Jesus left, their lives were in disarray. But suddenly when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they went from being in disarray to I have a purpose in my life and that is to extend the kingdom of God on earth. When they align themselves to the purpose of God for their life, ladies and gentlemen, today we are sitting in this room. Today we have a book that we can read because of the 12 disciples. Jesus did not write a book. The 12 disciples, the disciples did. Today we have Christianity around the world because of those 12 guys whose lives were in disarray. Those, that remnant, those, the least, 
the smallest the left behind the residue today what we're looking at in the room is a residue but you know what god has chosen you god has prepared you i want you to stand up can i have the the team up please